I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. So today I want to talk about how our brains look at these little details and not focus on the big picture and something that I've learned as a tool to overcome some of the ways that my brain works and the way that that it latches on to those details. Another thing that I'm going to address a bit later on in the episode is this the way that we interact with therapists, right? And that message will be both for clients and therapists alike. And I also want to touch a little bit on how to handle expectations on a holiday because it is a week before Christmas for those of you that celebrate Christmas or the winter solstice or Hanukkah or any holiday with family, even New Year's. So first, I'll start with just kind of talking about this attention to detail And I'm excited because I've found that there are things that I need to grow in. And one of the things that I had told you guys about earlier in the year is control, letting go of control of some of the business things, which has been really amazing and exciting. And we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes, writing our workbook, writing our books, both Jay and I, as well as developing a system of videos that you guys can can watch for Those of you that are asking me about the book and asking me about the workbook, thank you so much, first of all, for thinking of me and for really wanting us to produce this material. And I do want to say that it is coming. (laughs) I love the aspect of helping people so much. So what I've been doing is working with clients and, you know, answering people's calls and questions and helping clinicians and doing the book as well. So it's you know, one of those processes that's going to take a little bit more time than I had originally anticipated. And the more the podcast grows and the business grows and the more people I speak with, the better content that can be delivered to you all. So hang in there and stay patient. And it is absolutely in the works. It's just taking a little more time as a mom and pop kind of small business. I do want to, uh, as a side note, just give a shout out to Grace. Grace has been doing some social media stuff for us on Instagram. So if you follow me on Instagram, it's at becoming underscore Rose Skeeters is the Instagram tag. So she's been helping out so much, which does allow more time and space for us to do the book and the workbook and the videos. So that was what I was working on in 2021. 2022, I am going to be working on bringing my mind to the big picture and overcoming my mind's like tendency to want to latch on to little details. So a little vulnerability this session. We had just gotten our house renovated, as we talked about, which is just really crazy that it's over and done with, and it's amazing. So What I've noticed is that I had expected that the renovations would have produced maybe like a perfect product, right? So obviously I chose white, right? So I wanted it to look just so pretty and I'd seen it on Pinterest. It's like white, um, 
railing for the stairs and the walls are a silvery gray and the trim is white. And what I didn't realize is that when you have somebody and you hire someone to do renovation, that there are going to be little nicks and scratches that occur after. Not only that, but we have three dogs and a kid. So clearly, you know, our house is not going to be perfect. In my mind, though, because it's the holidays and we're going to be entertaining people, I have this idea that there should be no nicks or scratches or imperfections at all, which is very interesting to have that as a perspective because I know logically that that's not a thing, that they're not, there's never going to be perfection in a person's home or in, you know, a white railing. There's going to be imperfections in nicks if you look for them or if you look at them. So lately it's been, you know, around about a week or so where I've been working through this. So in the beginning, I was like, okay, you know what? We have a lot of paint left over. If there's a a ding, a scratch, I'm just going to go down the basement, grab this paint jar. I'm just going to open the paint can, excuse me, can, dip my finger in, and then I'm going to touch up this paint. So I had been doing that like pretty regularly where the paint can is now not in the basement. It's actually in the utility room right off the kitchen. So it can be right on hand for these paint touch-ups that had to occur. So the more I touch things up, the more I realize that there are more things to touch up, right? Now, understand as I'm telling you this story that it's really not, there's really not that many imperfections. It's the way that my brain is latching on to these details and not looking at the big picture that makes it sound like even as I tell this story that there's just scratches everywhere. Definitely not that. But according to my brain, that was something that was really registering. So the more I touched things up, the more kind of intrusive the thought would be and the more quick I would get to the paint. And there was a day where I was, had my, I would just dip my finger in because these are like tiny nicks and just kind of touch it up after sessions or like, you know, before cooking. So there's a day where I was touching it up and I'm, I can look down over the stair and I can look and see like my family hanging out below. And I could almost see myself from the outside looking like watching myself. And I think sometimes to myself that if I can watch myself engaging in a behavior, what would someone who is like quote unquote normal or neurotypical or someone who has a reasonable reasonable amount of logic, what would they think or say or feel about the behavior I'm engaging in? And so the scenario is me touching up this paint Everyone else is hanging out and relaxing and spending time together. But there I am in my own world, like focused on things that don't matter. So that was a wonderful moment for me because I was able to understand internally, like get that social cue on my own, understand that it's not something that needs to continue, that I have to like figure out a different way of behaving when it comes to this whole like paint, um, imperfection, detail, hyper-focused behavior. So I took the paint can, put it away, washed my hands, and I went and spent time with my family. And I started thinking about a formula that I could come up with to prevent myself from just continuing to value perfect 
white paint over other things in life, like connection, like sanity in my own mind's eye. So I talk, Jay and I talk everything over and there are oftentimes where he's able to help me through these things. And this was one of those things that he was able to help me gain a little bit of perspective on. And he had said, you know, most people don't go over someone else's house and they look at the details or they're looking at the imperfections. You don't do that. I was like, okay. So part of me is like, all right, you know, I really need to experiment with this. I need to understand whether or not he's right. I need to understand how it works for other people. Because in the past, I would have a tendency to be like, no, 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 people are totally going to look at that. I definitely look at that and try to like argue my point. And I'm way past all of that. So when I ask for advice, I'm coachable. So I said, okay, absolutely. Right. I will check it. I will also check it out for myself. Right. Because I do want to experience it and I do want to, you know, have that ability to trust or to learn how to trust. In, in that, in myself, right? So we had ended up going over a, a family's house that we're friends with for a game night. It was awesome. And I went over their house purposely looking to see for the, if I, if I noticed the details. So I walked in and they have a beautiful home, first of all, beautiful people, beautiful home. But when I went in to do this social experiment to figure out what it is that I do see, when I go to someone else's home, I realized that when I started looking at the details, they all popped out to me. That there was, you know, bro there were broken things, broken tile, there was paint imperfections, there were all of these things that I had never noticed. The only thing that I thought was like, wow, this is a beautiful house, it's warm, inviting, it's cozy. But when I started searching for those details, I absolutely found them. So I myself was able to apply the skill that I have to my own situation, meaning if someone else is going to walk into my house, they're not going to look at all the details and the things that are wrong. That's not a thing that other people look at. Now, this doesn't matter for aesthetics, this matters because my goal in life is to become the best version of myself. And if I can tell that my brain is focusing on a detail and mixing the broader point or the bigger picture, then I need to make it a point to start to grow through that and figure out how to reconnect with the bigger picture. So this is my process. This is how I did that. I first had to check it out with someone who is reasonable and logical. I then had to gather information for myself to reaffirm that reason and that logic so I could feel that viscerally with that social experiment. And then I had to formulate a plan. So the plan that I formulated was, is basically a thoughts, words, and actions oriented plan. So think thoughts, words, and actions. So when I come across a scenario that makes me feel like, I'll, like I'm not being the best version of myself, I want to create an action plan for that scenario. My action plan for the scenario with the paint is now to look up and to research how often people touch up paint and then to choose what I wanted that to look like in our household. Instead of hyper-focusing on 
the paint and the details and this and the, and the paint can, and I have to do this and that and missing the point. What I chose to do is create this action plan where in February, so two months from now, I'll look over everything that was painted and touch up the paint. See if there's anything I want to change or add. But right now, I don't have to think about that. I don't have to, you know, go and get the paint can and touch up every little thing. I'm going to wait two months. So I think we set a date, maybe a little more than two months of like February 23rd, 2022. That's when I'm going to um, execute on that action plan. So gathering information, thoughts, words, actions, creating an action plan. And then what I wanted to do is pre-program into my mind a phrase or some words that I can say to myself so that I can replace the old thoughts with new rational thoughts that align with the person that I want to become. So when I would see the paint in the little details before, I would think to myself, oh my gosh, I have to fix this. This is crazy. I really like, why are there so many scratches? I really want it to look nice. It'll just take me a moment to go get the can of paint. I'm just going to do this really quick. Things like that. And what I replace that with is normal people value connection because it's a real thing, right? I need to remember that the thing that I need to value at the end of a workday is the people that I love and my animals, my dogs, our life together, connection, the holidays outside. You know, I love Christmas lights. I love living in the country. I love cooking. I'm sewing again. So all these things that are way more valuable to me than a chip and a paint. So my pre-programmed phrase, when I see the chip, as I'll say to myself, normal people value connection. You have to look at the big picture. What's more important? And I walk past the area that I'm in where I've noticed the scratch. And I keep saying that to myself over and over and over again. Now, I've been doing this for, I think I mentioned for around about a week, and it has worked beautifully. I feel at peace with my choice because I'm not saying, you know what, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to get upset about it. I'm going to shame myself for it. None of that. I accept overall that I am different in the way that I perceive the world around me. So when I notice that my differences are preventing me from having meaningful connections with people or they become a little bit of an obstacle or a roadblock, I need to create a formula to overcome that obstacle, to overcome that roadblock. And that is what I've been doing. And it's just worked so beautifully. So if you are someone who focuses on the details of things, maybe you have a hard time writing your final paper for those of you that are in school. And you keep focusing on the details of the paper. So getting the whole thing finished is challenging for you. Create an action plan or a blueprint for your paper. For example, set your headings out first. Write your introduction and your conclusion. And then set headings for the middle parts. That way you're not looking at the whole thing or the details. You're finding that middle ground and creating a blueprint for yourself. Then when you have to go and sit and write the paper, maybe your phrase before was, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed, I can't do that. Now I want you to create a new pre-programmed phrase or set of words that align with the thoughts, words, and actions of the person that you want to become. And then tell yourself that. So you can say to yourself, I am capable of writing this paper. I just need to follow my action plan. 
I value connection over worrying about whether this paper is done. So I'm going to get this finished, create my blueprint, my blueprint for the paper. And then I'm going to go and hang out with my friends, spend time with my family, because I value connection over this back and forth kind of procrastinating, detail-oriented and hyper-focused way of looking at the world around me. So these are just examples of things that you can do when you find your brain getting stuck. Now, I will preface all of this by saying that this process wouldn't work if you were dysregulated. So if you are someone who gets dysregulated or has a low frustration tolerance when you find yourself hyper-focusing on your details, remember, change your physical state and re-regulate yourself so that you're better able when the time comes to choose to create the action plan and then to choose for yourself to pre-program a thought or phrase in your mind so that you can continue to remind yourself of that person that you're becoming. So for me, when I'm doing this work, I always say, you know, normal people value connection. That's something that's very important to me because I know that my brain can easily go into a space of being without people, but that is not the life I want. So if I find myself in those grooves, in those moments or places, I will face the people that I'm in relationship with, and I will go in that direction because I know logically and I know emotionally and viscerally that connection is actually what I want. I don't need a perfect white staircase. I need connection and love, and I want that because that is what builds a life worth living, a meaningful life. So Hopefully you'll be willing to create some blueprints to think of the thoughts, words, and actions that you can pre-program into your day-to-day routine or into your mind when these incidents occur so that you can increase your frustration tolerance and you can bring your awareness back to the big picture and not so focused on those and not stay so focused on those small details. Awesome. Okay, another thing that I wanted to talk to you about today is just your relationship with the people that you're working with. So many of my clients or many people that I talk with and come across have a therapist or a coach or someone that helps them, right? And oftentimes I hear that the therapist or the person that's helping them, we'll just say therapist for the purpose of this episode, they're missing, they're not getting it. And that could mean so many things, right? But maybe you go into therapy week in and week out and you are hyperbolizing an issue or you're talking about your partner or your mom or your dad in such a way that makes them out to be the person you don't like when you're splitting, for example, right? Or maybe it makes them out to be abusive. So then your therapist over time starts to question whether or not you're in an abusive relationship and they start to guide you in such a way by saying things like, oh, they shouldn't do that. And, you know, that kind of behavior wears on the trust between you and the therapist because you might think, well, wait a second, it's your job to know when I'm being hyperbolic. It's your job to help me figure out how to handle these relationships and to know that I split and to know when I'm splitting. And I just want to remind you that 
that's not entirely true and or possible, right? A clinician can only help you so much as they can have a hold of the information that you're providing to them, right? So, I mean, I've worked with people too who haven't disclosed all of the things that they're going through. And it's hard to help someone that doesn't do that. Now, I know vulnerability is very difficult for the BPD brain, and I respect that. I just want you to be careful in therapy because without having a moral compass, without an identity, without having convictions in morals and values, our brains are very malleable. So we can tell information to a clinician and they can give us bad advice. They can give us treatment that won't be effective because the way that we communicate to them and convey our issues shapes the, the, what they're going through, how they're going to respond and how they're going to help us, right? So you just want to be careful because your brain is malleable. It's changeable. It's impressionable. So if your therapist starts saying, oh, your partner shouldn't do that. Or, wow, your mom is abusive. Wow, he's gaslighting you. Wow, that's terrible. Oh my goodness. But you know, deep down, especially after hearing me speak or connecting with other folks, talking about truth and other podcasts, talking about truth, you know you've inflated the story. And you know you were looking for validation. You were seeking that. So you know you made the person out you know, to look like somebody who is abusive but really isn't and you know your contribution, you can go to your therapist and say, hey, you know, I apologize. I put it, I painted the person I'm in relationship with in this light and I can be hyperbolic and I need you to help me maintain accountability to tell you the truth. Well, then the clinician can kind of branch out and, you know, help you or take a leap and just help point out some of the truths. But if your clinician doesn't have a BPD brain, they won't always be able to spot when you're doing the hyperbolic storytelling or when you're hiding or when the session is too heavy or when you've lost faith in them. So it's a good idea to try to help them out and just to just remember that you know, you, you know your brain. So the best help that you can get from a clinician is going to be the help that you're, you know, a, the kind of help that comes from, <clears throat> excuse me, your genuine truth. All right. Hopefully that's helpful. All right. And last but not least, I just wanted to talk about holiday expectations. So there's a holiday coming up for um, those of us that celebrate those holidays. Or if you don't celebrate the holiday coming up, you have, you have a birthday, maybe you celebrate that. So we just want to apply this to all holidays in general. And what I want to talk about here is expectations. I know that I have ruined many a birthday, anniversary, uh, Christmas, historically, because I had an idea in my mind of the gift or the kind of attention or the kind of love that I would want from the person that I'm in relationship with. And unfortunately, those expectations were often, um, often 
created big storylines, narratives of like all the things that would happen. And I would, you know, think about it and dream about it and want Jay to do it and produce this for me. And just, you know, it's, it was hyperbolic and dramatic and over the top. And I didn't realize it. And I want you to make sure that you check your expectations this holiday season. If you're looking for a promise ring and that's going to be the indication that your person loves you, maybe they didn't get one for you because they want to wait till Valentine's Day. So I want you to think about, and that's just one example, right? But I want you to think about why are you celebrating this holiday? And really place value on the bigger picture and not the detail. So here's another example of like detail stuff, right? Are you detail-oriented in such a way that you're going to hyper-focus on the kind of gift that was given or not given? Or are you going to focus on the meaning behind the holiday? I know that I used to be the, somebody who would tell people it was my birthday. Guess what's my birthday? My birthday's coming. Birthday's March 7th. This is my birthday. <laughs> it's going to be my birthday. Next week, it's my birthday. So <laughs> what are we going to do? And it would really backfire every year that I did that. And I think the thing that I didn't understand, and um, I appreciate Jay for pointing this out, is that it's not a normal thing to tell someone else to celebrate you, right? We want people to have the ability to enact their free will whenever they want to. Free will is every human's ability to choose. It's a beautiful thing. It's what keeps us free, right? So if I anticipate, if I say, are you excited for Christmas, Jay? Did you buy me blah, blah, blah? Did you buy me all the things I want? This is, this is, these are my uh, Christmas wishes. And then I keep anticipating it or hinting or asking, well, then I'm one, taking away the joy of giving for him because I'm making it laborious and I'm acting childlike. And two, I'm anticipating needing to micromanage my partner on a holiday as if my partner is not able to come up with a way to tell me happy birthday, to tell me Merry Christmas, to tell me happy holidays without allowing them to choose it. Not only that, but think about it. If somebody was like, hey, um, this is my birthday, this is my birthday over and over and really kind of making it this big deal, they would be a little odd, right? So there's a social awareness, there's a social cue that's missed there where you really don't want to tell people it's your birthday unless they ask you. You don't want to be incessant about it. You want to allow people to celebrate you. That's the beauty of having relationships with people is that every day they wake up and they choose you. So if you don't get what you want this holiday season from the person you're in relationship with, I just want you to think about that that they've chosen to be with you and that there's a bigger picture here than the, the experience or the item or the amount of money or whatever that you're looking for on this particular holiday. So create an action plan, thoughts, words, deeds, pre-program a phrase in your mind. My person chooses me and that's more important, for example, or I value connection over gifts for example, or I want people to choose to want to celebrate me. I don't want to force them into it. And then follow through on that action plan. Awesome. 
All right. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week and I look forward to next week's episode. Okay. Thanks for listening. That was From Borderline the Beautiful, a production of Skeeter's Strength Mindset Coaching Systems. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at skeetersstrength.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. Next time on the show, we're going to continue our eating disorder series. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So... If you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful, hope and help for individuals with BPD.